Hey everybody, I'm Shane. I'm Kyle. And this is Retro Reco. And this week, uh, if you might not know, we're, we each pick movies. This week, it's Kyle's pick. Kyle, what's your pick? Uh, in this episode, we're going over the 2005 movie, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, written by Shane Black, directed by Shane Black, starring Robert Downey Jr., Val Kilmer, and Michelle Monaghan. Ooh, I watched Bang Bang Kiss Kiss, and that was heavy by the fact that it was it was just sex. Oh, yeah. Also, for all of those people that are coming from Miyazaki and me, uh, in some ways, we're sorry to actually quote this movie for the good people in the Midwest. Sorry we said fuck so much. Yeah, this one, we're, we're hitting that, that Reddit R uh, <laughs> rating for, for some of these episodes. Uh, you know, if we're, if we're watching a family movie, we'll keep it PG, uh, fairly PG. But uh, uh, for those movies that aren't PG, uh, you might there might be some language because there's going to be language in the movies. Yeah, there's going to be language in the movies. Uh, in this case, we are going to say multiple F words that happen in the movie, but maybe not all of the F words that come in in the movie because... Yeah, uh, there's one I'm not saying. Yeah, there's one I'm not saying. I was like, in 2005, we thought that was still okay to say that word. It's not. So I have an opinion on the use of that word too, and I'll we'll get, I'll, we'll, when we get there, I'll get yeah, there. Yeah, when we get there, we'll get we'll get there. Um, so yeah, uh, so a little bit about the movie before we kind of get into it. Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, uh, like I said, written and directed by Shane Black. Uh, it is based in part by, on a novel called "Bodies Are Where You Find Them" by Brent Holiday. Uh, it was screened at the the Cannes Film Festival out of competition, and uh, this movie flopped like big time. Uh, it it only cost fifteen million dollars to make, and once it was finally <laughs> released internationally, is where it made most of its money, and it ended up making globally. About fifteen point eight million dollars. Uh, and then the fun little segment that we'll be doing on this show, because uh, at least one of us would have seen these movies before. Kyle, when when did you first see this movie? Uh, so I first saw this. I think, ironically enough, I think this means you actually saw this movie before I did, even though uh, this. I would bet I did because I saw it opening night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, opening night. Yeah, so I. I uh, did not see this until it got onto DVD, and the DVD was, was released in June of 2006. Um, I was still working in the video in a video store uh, when this came out, and I was like, "Oh, Robert Downey Jr. I like Robert Downey Jr." and rented it. Like, read the back, which was a very vague description of the actual movie. Um, which, I mean, honestly, that it's kind of hard to describe this movie without going into the full length of the film itself. Um, yeah. And so I was like, oh, it's a detective movie. That's kind of cool. Um, I, ironically, at the time, I was I was actually reading a bunch of, like, Raymond Chandler books and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I love detective movies. And, uh, yeah, this is my favorite movie. So. Yeah, so I saw this. I saw this opening night in the theater because I was working at the movie theater at the time. Um, actually, no, I might've seen this the night before opening. I think I saw, I think I watched this on preview night with, uh, okay. 
I brought because I was with one friend, and I believe the only other people in the theater were people that worked there. So I think I saw this the night before opening, because uh, back when I worked at the theater, I don't know if they still do it because everything's digital now. But back when I worked at the theater, they have to they had to preview all the movies to make sure that the the reel was working, okay, and that everything looked good, that there was no problems with it because uh, they they did splicing up in the, uh, you know, they would get you know X number of canisters and they'd have to splice them together, um, to to put the movie together. So they had to double check all that. And so when they were doing these previews of the reels, uh, if you worked at the theater, you were allowed to come and you're allowed to bring one guest. So there was a lot of movies that I saw before opening night because of that. Uh, this being one of them, I believe, because, yeah, I don't think I, I think it was the night before. And uh, I remember just me and my buddy that, that was there absolutely loved it. Like we were having a blast um, uh, while watching this this movie. And, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that that it's it's in my top all time but it is it is a super super fun movie that i highly highly enjoy yeah well well and we will talk about this later like this i uh not to speak for you but i in discussions we've had before i don't even think if i remember right this is your favorite shane black movie uh it's it's not no it isn't and it's some. it used to be my favorite shane black movie yeah uh and then uh the nice guys came out and I, I really, really liked The Nice Guys. And The Nice Guys just feels like an updated version of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, though, in, in a lot of different ways. And uh, there's a few things. That I, I think one of the reasons why I like The Nice Guys more is that I would say there's a few things in that movie that are that are less problematic the further away you get from the time it was filmed. Yes. Because um, there's some things on this one that I'm, I'm like, I cringe <laughs> while yeah. watching it still but luckily they're not they're not quite bad enough to be like be like oh i can't i can't watch this anymore but they're still they're still pretty bad you gotta you gotta got, kind of put some blinders on at certain spots but i mean that's that's the way it goes for a lot of older movies unfortunately like you've got to you've got to tell yourself like i can't you know just say that i'm not gonna watch this this piece of art because there there's a you know, there's there's a problematic thing set in it. You've got to say like, okay, I have to understand that the time and the, as you said earlier, like at the time, like people were still okay with something like this, and we know it wouldn't fly now, and we know that the director and writer Shane Black wouldn't do it now. Yep. Uh, because it because times have changed, and the and people's mindset on those things have changed. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and and actually, let's 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 full on get into kind of the the elephant in the room like this movie is it it ironically has a very prominent well-written gay character yes but is also in a lot of ways very dated in its stance on sexuality and homophobic issues and homophobic slurs yes and that gay character if it was played by an actual gay actor, I yeah. think I would be less cringe with some of the, the things that, that he says. But Val Kilmer is is not gay. No, um, no, he's not. And, uh, and so some of the things that he is saying, and yes, I understand that, that the character is gay, uh, but the slurs that, that he is using. And, and honestly, if you watch the movie, he is the only one using, you know, the, the those slurs yeah. as the gay character, which is which is better i suppose but still um yeah it's you just you just get in your mind that you're like oh a straight man wrote this and a straight man's playing it like like uh." yeah it's yeah it's like it almost feels like using those words as a way to 
what what the intention probably was in the writing was using those words as a way to kind of deflect and take them back but yeah it's it's still it's a it's a bit problematic um in the in the grand scheme of things um like that that was that was a a good idea uh potentially in 2005 when this was written and produced but now it yeah it wouldn't fly anymore i will say there is an introduction of a character that is almost literally doing the thing that we have a problem with like (laughs) uh uh gosh the uh i don't remember her name um harmony uh yes when they introduce Harmony as a character, uh, they're at a party and she's, you know, the second character, the third character introduced, I think. Um, yeah. And she's telling a story where she's comparing uh, Rudolph, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer to being black. Yeah. And, uh, it's just, it's such a, a um, social justice white girl actress thing <laughs> like, yep. to me I, like it made me laugh every single time i see it because i'm just like i'm like oh man it is it is like i get you're trying to make a good point but i've seen people like have these like say these things and have these opinions where it's just like where it's like i'm just making an analogy that this is what this is a sign of when it's like it's like okay first off that's not what that's an analogy of and second yeah. off ooh, 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 you sound rough saying that yeah yeah like and it's it's funny because those people exist and, and they did a really good job of making this character that like there are times that i hate harmony because i'm just like oh you're that person and then there are times where i'm like okay yeah but she's she's i mostly hate harmony honestly but <laughs> there yeah yeah one one last thing before we get into the movie itself more um kind of in general so have you have you heard the various things that this movie was called before they before Shane Black finally settled on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang This will be fun. I think I've heard one or two of them cuz I think we've talked about a cut one or two of them in the past. It's like a passing joke. Yeah. So the two that were actually like either working titles or had script versions. The the it was originally called "You'll Never Die in This Town Again," which I think is one of the names of the of one of the Gossamer books. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. It's uh, I want to say yeah. It's one of the names of the Gossamer books. And then the the working title when Robert Downey Jr. got cast was LAPI. I I remember that one. I remember talking to human or that being discussed before. That's the one I remember. That's a bad name. Yeah, I was just like that t- that title's awful. And yeah, Shane Black finally settled on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang um because he said it brought you know, he he says that this is a romantic comedy film noir. <laughs> um and it's like okay, so you get the romantic comedy aspect with the kiss kiss, and then the the mystery elements with the bang bang. Okay, I can I can see where you're coming from. I can I can dig on that. I can dig on the way they got to the title. Kiss kiss bang bang is not a bad title, I don't think. But like, it's still it's still not a great one, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's yeah, it's not it's not great. It's a mouthful. Yeah. Um, and actually, uh, Robert Downey Jr. on the Joe Rogan experience, uh, th- he, he this was a few years ago. Um, it, was, it was when he was promoting Doolittle. 
Um, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that movie did great. Yeah, that movie did great. Um, uh, he he was asked like what his favorite movie was um, that he's he's been in, and he said Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, uh, which is uh, in some ways the best film I've ever done. It wound up being a calling card. It came out, it bombed, but John Favreau saw it. And he said, this guy could do an action movie. And that's how he wound up in uh, getting cast as Iron Man. Yeah, this was really his his comeback. Like, he had done, done a couple movies around this time. Like, he did Charlie Bartlett around the same time. Um, but, like, this was his big, like, it's getting released in theaters. We're going to put him him on the front of the, you know, on the box and, and in the poster. And, and, you know, put him forefront um, after his, you know, problems with alcoholism and drugs and stuff that... that uh, put him in jail yep. uh, in the early 2000s or was that late 90s i think that was late uh, 90s. late 90s early 2000s yeah yeah and then yeah this was really his comeback this i mean iron man was his his full comeback his but full comeback this yeah. is what brought him back like this is what obviously as he said favreau uh john favreau saw it so like this was his re- his actual return and iron man was his his uh re-breakout i would say yep um so so yeah let's let's get into the movie uh I actually, so like I said, I was working at the video at a video store when this came out, and because of the tone of the movie, I would flat out tell customers that it's like, hey, there's a pre, like basically a cold open to this movie. If you don't laugh and find it funny, uh, just shut the movie off and return it because you're gonna hate this movie if you don't like the intro um because you're gonna realize what you're in store for um and the opening scene is this nice ace uh shot of this like county fair with a young magician about to cut a young girl in half with a chainsaw mind you which that's always the my favorite part of like it's not like you know, a big knife or a, or a saw. It's a full-on chainsaw that he's using. Pageantry. You gotta, you gotta have pageantry, and that kid had it. It's true. Um, so as he's cutting through, as his assistant is cutting through, uh, the chainsaw stops and gets caught. The girl in the uh, in the box starts screaming, just bloody murder. Some guy from the crowd jumps up. Because even the the magician is, you know, kind of startled, like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. The guy comes out, busts open the lock, whips open the top of the, the box, realizing that the girl is tucked nicely sideways, perfectly fine, looks up at him and says, I'm going to be an actress. And then the guy definitely is about to smack her. Definitely and then hits her. Yep. Definitely hits her, and then opening credits. Yeah, and then uh, which is, I mean, it's it's a it's a solid cold open. It gets you an idea of the tone right away. Uh, it, although not really, honestly, it, it gets you the idea of what the humor is going to be. I suppose, as as you had said there. Yeah, but it definitely doesn't for sure give you the tone fully. Um, but I think that the the idea of the joke and then something serious happening right after the joke is is actually a pretty solid idea of the tone uh, and then they jump into robert downey jr narrating <laughs> yep robert and, downey well most importantly for me uh title card day one trouble is my business 
which uh, we will get into these title cards a little later. I, I love this little Easter egg. Um, but yeah, Ro- Robert Downey Jr. is uh, is is our narrator. Um, and he's unreliable. Uh, very unreliable. Because he keeps having to stop and rewind and do things, which uh, honestly, if he was a narrator, if he was narrating this thing and everything was running smoothly, I think that it wouldn't have worked as well. Yeah, the fact that he kept making mistakes as the narrator, and so it actually did seem like somebody recalling parts of the story. Like I think that I think that works in the sense because it's really easy to have a narrator uh, piece to your movie and it just not work. Yeah, so so he is he is at this party um, in L.A. This fancy party. I love I love the production design on on a lot of the elements in this movie. It it's just so good and so well shot, even though it's for so bare bones. Um, like every every bit of money they spent on it winds up on the screen. Like nothing's wasted. Yeah. The also yeah the the supporting acts actors in uh, most prominently yeah Larry Miller as the as the other agent um, and uh, Corbin Burnson. Um, as yep. uh, Dex, as uh, Harlan Dexter, um, is is a lot of fun, uh, but I I love the the narration that we get. Um, like you said, it's very unreliable, um, but the the writing in total for this movie is just so good um, because you get like the little stuff. Um, so we we cut to. Uh, a title card that says how Harry got to the party and Harry is a small time crook uh, who is, as he says later in the movies, boosting Xboxes in, in the, in the East village. Um, so in New York um, and I love this little thing. He's at the toy store with a nephew or something. So it's, yeah, he, he's, he's on the phone with a nephew and the nephew's questioning like, how how's the store still open? It's like ah, oh, it's holiday hours. Yep. <laughs> um, and then his partner is watching this little train set go along, and then right as the little train passes, an actual train passes, and it shakes enough to disarm their little gadget they have on the alarm, and they have to run out of there. Even though he's a criminal, he's still super thrifty. And he's stealing from, like, the bargain section? Well, he's accidentally stealing from the bargain section, because yeah. really he's looking for a gift for his, for the, and he's like, it's it's straight up the, the you know, I don't know, kids kind of kind of gimmick of, yeah. like, like uh, all Nintendos are the same. And it's like, no, I'm asking for a PlayStation. Yeah, I got you a Nintendo. Like, except yeah. this one is a... Uh, uh, whatever the the what the kid actually wants, and he says he's like, oh, like Protocop. He she's like, no, Protocop hasn't been on in years. Yeah, it's like that show was canceled like two years ago. Uh, yeah, he's looking for a cyber agent. Cyber agent, that's right. Which, yeah. ironically enough, um, is is now the name of the parent company for uh, Pro Wrestling Noah and uh, DDT. Is a is a oh. company called Cyber Agent. Maybe they're a fan of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. But yeah, one of the lines that so so Harry goes through and uh, he his partner ends up getting shot, and he runs 
runs away and runs into an audition for a criminal. And I love the life in, in imitating art moment of like the audition that he is at is a scene of right after a partner got shot in the movie. And so he just kind of has this mini freak out and the casting agent is like, oh, that was brilliant. We've got to we got to cast this guy. And then actually, as he's like leaning down at the casting agent, um, kind of begging in character, like crying, that's when the cop comes in and the cop's just like, oh, oh, sorry. Yep. And uh, I mean, it's it's a nice little moment because you can it, it was well acted to show like, uh, I don't know how to act to like I'm actually reacting to something. Yeah. Takes a good actor like Robert Downey Jr. is to portray that on the yep. uh, on the screen. But yeah. Yeah. Um but uh the, yeah then then Harry's just talking about oh now I'm in LA and I you know meet when you know where a where a girl at at a party uh you know spells her name name Jill spells her name J Y L L E that kind of bullshit. And then he he even admits through this like like uh that he's he's not another he's not a good narrator. It's like well I don't see another goddamn narrator, so uh, pipe down. Uh, after he he talks about uh, silly putty picking shit up off off comic books, uh, and then yeah, then we get the scene of how Harmony got to the party, and like s- <laughs> direct quote from the movie. So like Harmony, like most LA girls, isn't from here. Um, so she was born in Indiana, blah, blah, blah. Um, and much like most soon to be fucked up girls, she was wicked smart, but that's because she had a good teacher and cut to a nice loving shot of her mom, um, who's clearly sick. But then Harry as the narrator is like, not her, not her, um, him and it's the Johnny Gossamer books that he, she's reading, and this is actually a new a new segment that I told Shane very little about. Um, this is our our retro deep dive. Uh, this is where I find something in the movie that I just got super fascinated by, and go on a Wikipedia and online googling. Uh, deep dive um, and so very obviously uh, Johnny Gossamer is based off Raymond Chandler uh, the noir detective pulp detective uh, writer I honestly thought the whole time it was a Bond thing oh really well I mean I also don't know who Raymond Chandler is so all right so that would here... make sense that I would, I would think that it was something else all right so I will give you some information on Raymond Chandler uh, so Raymond Chandler, born in 1988, uh, 1888, sorry, way off. That seems, that seems way too late. Way too late. Um, he uh, was almost, he was, he was, uh, almost 20 when this came out. Yeah. Uh, he was just turning 18. Yeah. Uh, sorry, so, I'm 27. yeah. Um, so, so yeah, Raymond Chandler was born in July of, of 1888. He died in March of, uh, 1959, uh, very well-known novelist, uh, mostly known for the Philip Marlowe detective uh, novels. 
um, his, his biographer um, actually quoted uh, in saying he's, he's a touchstone for crime writing, representing not just excellent fiction, uh, but also a type of writing in, that was once powerful and beautiful. Uh, Raymond Chandler wasn't always a, a novelist. He actually, uh, for, for almost a decade, uh, was actually part of a... He went from working as a bookkeeper to working as the vice president for uh, Dabney Oil Syndicate, um, where it, the last year when he was actually vice president of the company, he made... It would roughly be in today's do- uh, dollars. It would have been almost like two hundred plus thousand dollars a year, working working as this oil executive. Uh, but he was then uh, fired for reportedly uh, problems with alcoholism, absenteeism, promiscuity with female employees, and threatening suicides. Oh boy, that must have been really bad back then because you know they didn't care about that kind of stuff then. Yeah, then this was yeah, this would have been 1931. Um so he then uh this was as as he said this was when like pulp novels were really big um because it was the Great Depression and so the the pulp novels were printed on such cheap paper that they were easily disposable. So people didn't think too much of it. And this is where you get the detective pulps like Black Mask um, and, and a lot of other prominent ones. Um, and he, he decided uh, because he before he became an oil executive, he, he did do some writing mostly as like journalism. And but then he decided uh, I decided it might be a good way to try to learn to write fiction and get a small amount of money at the same time. Uh, so he actually spent almost five months working on his first short story. And his first three short stories, he ended up making basically the equivalent of about a couple thousand dollars. Um, and then his first novel, uh, he wrote... So, so in 1933, he started writing... Uh, periodically for Black Mask, um, with a short story titled uh, Blackmailers Don't Shoot. And then he would go on to work on a lot of more more novels and release his first novel in 1939, which was actually, he, he jokes that he kind of cannibalized two of his short stories uh, because two of the characters... Her dynamics were pretty similar. Both of them had an older father and a younger daughter um, who was a bit promiscuous. And he kind of combined those characters together um, and combined the and and fleshed them out a little bit more for the novel The Big Sleep. And so this is where we get the formula of these two and Shane is probably nodding along and realizing where this is going, we get these two stories that are seemingly very different that in the end are are both part of the same story. But in like most uh, very convoluted stories, he cared a lot more about 
how his characters talked and the descriptions that they'd, they'd make of things than the actual plots. So there are plot holes all over his novels, um, so much so that when Big Sleep was adapted at, into a movie uh, in 1946, uh, the Howard Hawks and a lot of even the cast were going through the script and are like, who the hell killed the chauffeur? Like, there's all these deaths, and we realize, like, well, that person killed that, that person killed this, they... Who the hell killed killed Owen? And so they sent a telegram to Raymond Chandler, and his response back was basically like, damn it, I don't even know either. Don't ask me who tried to kill him. I just wrote the thing. But yeah, he, so so he, he started writing novels in, in 1939, uh, including The Big Sleep, Farewell My Lovely, The High Water, The Lady in the Lake, The Little Sister, The Long Goodbye, Payback. Um, and in 1944, uh, he was actually nominated for Best Screenplay uh, for co-writing... Uh, double indemnity and oh i've heard of that yep uh double indemnity is uh, actually on my list of uh uh, movies uh that i will potentially recommend later in this series which which they they ended up losing to the movie going my way uh 1944 was also the first time one of his novels got adapted for the screen but in typical Hollywood fashion at that point in time, he wasn't asked to write it. Like they, they, Hollywood, especially at that point in time, were like, oh, he wrote the novel. Who cares? Like, we're going to get somebody else to adapt it, even though he'd already proven that he was a good screenwriter. But the, the funny thing is, uh, so, so the, the adaptation of Farewell, My Lovely, uh, they actually renamed it at, to uh, Murder, My Sweet. And it was written by John Paxton, who is actually the uncle of Ed Brubaker, uh, the comic book writer. Oh, interesting. Uh, and was kind of one of Ed Brubaker's influences. Um, so in some ways, a very Raymond Chandler-esque uh, character was the inspiration for Ed Brubaker's The Fade Out. And much like Raymond Chandler is the... Uh, inspiration for the johnny gossamer character kind of that's pretty cool yeah uh and uh, one one final quote from from raymond chandler um as i look back in my stories it would be absurd or if i if i did not wish they had been better uh but if they had had been much better they would not have been published if the formula had been less rigid more of the writing of that time might have survived oh some of us tried pretty hard to break out of that formula but we usually got caught uh, and sent back Uh, to exceed the limits of the formula without destroying it is the dream of every magazine writer who is not a hopeless hack and that's a great quote to end on because literally as in the narration this is when uh harmony is talking or Harry is talking about the Johnny Gossamer character and he says, well, in the end, the writer said, you know, it was all bullshit. He did it for the money. 
Um, but then as... But what does he know? He's just the writer. Yeah, what does he know? He's just the writer. Um, and then that's, that is our first cut to... Oh, <laughs> I made this big deal of this robot... Uh, and then I didn't end up t- saying anything like this. Like you said, this is my, like my dad telling a joke. Oh, the the cowboy rode a blue horse. You know, whatever that joke was supposed to be. Yeah, I had no idea. I was, I was trying to figure out if that was a real joke. And I was just like, I can't think of anything that that could have been connected to. Yeah. So, so then we get uh, the Harmony Faith Lane actually as an actress basically killing this guy who who played proto cop yeah well i mean in her defense he broke into her house he did break into her house yeah he just said hey and and dude falls backwards over the balcony um um and then that's how she gets invited to the party because larry miller's character sees it yep um and then she she passes out at the party reading some johnny gossamer books and this is the first portion that I, I start kind of liking Harry because this guy is definitely creeping in on, on Harmony. And Harry stands well, up like to her dress a little bit and yeah. Yeah. And while she's asleep. Like ugh. Yeah, it's real, real ugh. Um and uh <laughs> I just I I really enjoy the you know, Harry's talking all this like tough talk and it's like, yeah, let's go outside. You and me, let's go outside. And then it quit hard cuts to this guy just beating the shit out of Harry. Uh, which is a running gag for the rest of this party sequence, which is only about five minutes longer. But yeah, um, of, of a bunch of other people mentioning that that was the guy that beat him up. Yeah. Uh, I just uh, I really enjoy the. Uh, as he's leaving, and he's just like, "Hey, did you see uh, that blonde girl? Did you see the?" It's like, "Oh, the one that left with the guy who beat the shit out of you." <laughs> She's like, "No," and then she yells back, "Have a better day." I love the little valet, and yeah, so this is our, our introduction to to Gay Perry, who, as as is mentioned, he consults in film, television, recently incorporated, honest to god, private eye, uh, and-, and Kyle is he still gay? Uh, knee deep in pussy, but I just like the name so much. Can't get rid of it. Funny joke. Um, I do love that joke. I, I realize a lot of my, I, I, I like the, the character Gay Perry a lot outside of, you know, the obvious problematic elements of, of him in the story, but because his humor is very similar to things that I would do where it's like, if somebody mishears me or like says something that's slightly different how i will i just like to twist it and make it into something else and just go with it like yep. like like he goes talking money and he goes a talking monkey he goes, yeah a talking monkey came from the future says ficus says ficus a lot. just like i'm like that's good humor like that's yep. it's dumb humor but it's great humor because he's he it, the humor's dumb but it's not because he's dumb it's because someone else is being dumb and he, he's running with it yeah I love yeah it. he's he's just running with it and just kind of you know, as the British would say, taking the piss out of it, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, so so Harry gets cleaned up a little bit. His cut's cleaned up by Perry um, in the kitchen. Um, Harlan Dexter comes by, introduces himself. They talk about <laughs> um, how his daughter was away in Europe for many years. 
And then Perry explains as Harlan leaves that uh, he uh, he just reconciled with his daughter after being estranged for many years. And then we get our second cut of like, oh, that was a terrible scene. Why was in that? Why was that in the movie? I wonder if it'll come back up again later. Just straight up calling out the the stuff like that. That which is, I mean, it, it's it's endearing that it's it's like pointing that out to you right away too because it's like it's like it makes no sense in the context of why you would even see that unless it it means something and they're just and they just call it out right off the bat and i just it's 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 fun it's it's nice it's a interesting way to do a movie and i think that's part of it is it's so different than what anything else would do that it just it stands out as like a good choice because of that yep um, and then, then Harry talks about the fact that this this blonde reminded him of this girl from high school he was friends with and had a crush on. And then and yeah, she did everyone else in town except for his best friend. Yep, except for Chuck Chutney. And then he goes and he, uh, Kate Perry knows knows her and tells her what bar to go to. He goes to the bar, meets up with her, jokes jokes has a couple of funny jokes about uh, people that look like other people in the bar. Yeah, Brazilian B- Billy Bob Thornton, which I mean, he did look like 2005 Billy Bob Thornton, I guess. Um, I suppose, but that one was a reach. But Harry, Harry goes to leave um, after telling her friend that uh, your mouth is a recommended place to put a sock, which was a very nice insult. And then Harmony says, "Harry Lockhart, are you going to recognize me?" Was the girl from college or from high school? that got away well she left when she was 16 she said so harry what she was the girl from earlier um and uh so so then we cut back to our opening shot of the magician and we realized blocking the way and then it's like see look harold the great um and these two kids which we should have seen this coming because uh, do you know who both of these kids were? I know that the girl is from Modern Family. Yep. Uh, yeah, the girls, Ariel Winter. So probably the second most successful person <laughs> in this movie. Um, I do not know the boy. Uh, the boy, we should have realized that he does look like a young Robert Downey Jr. Because it is Robert Downey Jr.'s eldest son. No. Oh. That's neat. Yeah, basically the only thing he's been in that I can see of note. Um, uh, so they get to talking, you know, have have everything like that. Uh, talking, reminiscing. She still feels bad about leaving her sister um, because, you know, Papa, as, as they say in the narration, Papa was out after her every night. And so we, we get some fun fun interactions between the two of them. And then cut to the next morning, uh, Harry is waking up, leans over, and it's her friend in bed with him. Uh, yep. Ooh, wrong girl. Yeah, wrong girl, wrong throat. Uh, as, as Harry goes to apologize. And also another recurring theme, Harry getting the door slammed in his face multiple times. Which I always forget which ones are which, and I always think that the later one is this one. Yeah, I did. I did the same exact thing, but I'm sitting there. I'm just like, oh, that's too early in the movie. Yeah, it's too early. It's a uh, um, uh, but so then he, um, you know, 
in very noir fashion, walks away, lights up a cigarette, looks back towards the camera and walks into the horizon. And then cut to day two, The Lady in the Lake, which all of the chapter titles are Raymond Chandler books. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That is why I did that deep dive. Um, and this is this is Perry going and explaining to Perry of like, oh, yeah, like the, these books were so good. They, you know, Johnny Gossamer always had two cases. And in the end, they were always connected um, because Harry is on this stakeout with Perry um, to help with his acting. Um, because he's getting detective lessons for this film. Yeah, and then in this stakeout, they come up along a, a uh, they, the people in the, the building that they're staking out drive away, and they try to follow them, and they get lost, and they stop at a lake, and as they stop there, the car comes careening out of the bushes and flying into the lake, uh, at which point um, Harry tries to jump in and and save them, but but uh, Perry is just like, no, 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 it's, it's, it's fine. And then Perry, which in the moment, I remember thinking to myself, like, why does he want to get the keys out of the car? And then he, it's explained later in the movie that he's, he was trying to help his employer. But um, yeah, uh, but he like goes down there, tries to get the keys out of the car. For some reason, shoots open the trunk, which I never figured out why that even happened. Um, well, he, he couldn't, he like he he tried the lock um but uh with the keys but couldn't get it open so yeah he had to shoot the lock open to get to get the the body out but um, i also, uh but i didn't know why he was trying to get it in the trunk it's not even even with the explanation later of like body removal kind of thing doesn't make sense of why he would think that there is a for sure a body in the trunk that he needs to get out yeah that's true um, but so yeah, that was so, just a little confusing for me. But. Uh, I do, I do, I do enjoy the the inversion of the the film noir trope too at the beginning of this, of oh, you know who 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 got who hired you and it's like oh, uh, this woman named Allison Ames, it's like oh she was was she a looker, um, going and you know completely making fun of the film noir trope of you know the detective in his office and this you know, smoking hot woman coming in and, and, you know, a seamless dress uh, and, you know, flirting with and kind of getting him to do who this thing, um, getting him to do this case. And the inversion of that of like, no, she called me on the phone and paid via credit card. Like never met this woman, uh, which will come up, you know, later, um, which is nice. But yeah, it's like, uh, like Perry's after we get the body out, it's like, of course she's dead. Her neck's broken. It's like, oh yeah, they'll definitely believe that after you shot her in the head. Yeah, and then this comes with one of my favorite jokes of the of the movie. Uh, Harry throws the the gun into the water, and <laughs> uh, uh, Perry is just like, like, where's? Give me my gun. He's like. And he's mad. He's like, the gun my mom gave me. And then he's like, you look up Eddie in the dictionary. You know what you see? My picture? No, the definition of the word idiot, which you fucking are. And it's so good. It's just so good. Yeah. Like, and also also Val Kilmer's delivery of the word 
What happens when they drag the lake? Yep. Think they're going to find my gun? My $2,000 ceramic vector that my mother gave me as a gift? Yeah, then then he's talking and he gets a uh Harry gets a phone call um saying that uh did you uh, happen to give your number to a uh, uh Miss Harmony Lane? Uh yeah, I, I don't know. Uh why? Uh well, we're, you know, yep, we treat every suicide as a homicide. And so we're yeah, we're, we're supposed to investigate every suicide as a homicide. So Harry had just reconnected with Harmony and then she dies. So he thinks. So his, of course, response is to just get drunk in the hotel room. So he gets drunk, calls his, uh, he calls his nephew or whatever it's supposed to be. Um, and the nephew's like, yeah, I got a cyber agent. It's like, oh yeah, you're going to have a protocop coming too. And it's probably worth more now. Cause I think the guy's paralyzed or something. Yep. <laughs> Uh, and then he's interrupted by a knock on the door, and it is Harmony. She is alive. Yep, she is. She is alive, ranting about oh, that it was her sister, her, and you know my my friend Flicka told me that you were you were a private investigator. Like here's he spouts out all of this information. It's like she stole all my credit card or my ID, and that's why people like thought she that's why you got the call and then you know right before her she died she she charged like two thousand dollars on the credit card to some centron inc some bullshit company and then you know harry it it definitely isn't murder or it doesn't definitely isn't suicide because she took her birth control pill and it's like harry you're gonna help right you're gonna help and then she he finally agrees it's like yeah 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 i'll help i'll help um and then she's like oh good and then passes out and then while she's passing out he's like trying to uh cover with a blanket but there's a, spi- a very large and uncomfortable looking spider like that, that yeah. was way too big of a spider for for a scene like that um i get that they needed to make sure that you could see the spider but man that spider that, that would be a terrifying spider to see on on somebody yep um and it crawls into her bra and he like flicks it and she wakes up and she's like, "You grab my tit. It's no big deal." He's like, "No, someone grabs your tit and it is a biggie." Uh, that came out wrong. Uh, that came out wrong. But uh, this, this conversation that where you know she ends, uh, he ends up being a dick in the end and saying like, "You're that kind of woman." Uh, yeah. So she leaves while he's in the bathroom peeing, and he turns to see the dead body that they uh, that they had gotten rid of, and he pees on the body. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, so yeah, he pees on the body. Um calls 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 Perry. Uh which Perry's reaction to all of this is so just amazing. Of like, what do you mean they brought her back? Like like this is the this is the corpse. It's like and then explaining everything, it's like, uh that it that it's going to be a setup. They're going to have this gun. Like they're going to plant a gun because it's a setup. So get get out of there. Get the gun. And then Harry's just like, so I peed on it. <laughs> and and Perry's reaction of just like, wait, what? Why in poop perfect hell would you pee on a corpse? I didn't mean to. 
didn't mean uh, to. So then you get then you get the shenanigans of the of the, the you know the cops are downstairs. Harmony sends them to the wrong room. Uh, they're there. Perry gets up there. They're getting the body out. Um, they throw it off the roof for some reason, even though they then run down the stairs where they could easily have just run it down the stairs. But I'm guessing they're trying to get it down quick. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which that shot of which that shot of them tossing it off the roof, I remember. So it they toss it off the roof and it hits half of the dump the dumpster, like half of it hits the dumpster and then like recoils over. Um, yep. Which is it? It it is a shot in in the trailer, and that's actually one of the things that made me want to watch this movie at first. Um, because I saw the trailer because we had uh, a Bach, um like we we get trailers for all the upcoming video releases. And that was part of the trailer. And I'm just like, this is so stupid. I need to see this movie to figure out what, like, what the hell is going on. Uh, then you get some. They, they make out in the alley to throw off the police for some reason. And you get some homophobia from the police. Um, and then you get a, uh, what I think is a very poor writing <laughs> thing. And that's just, that's just, I, I have this scene that I really like, but it kind of writes me in a corner. So how do I get out of it? I'm just not going to tell you what happens. So, yeah. So yeah. It's like, catches yeah. Them and gets mad at them and, and they like, and then, and then the next scene is them driving off. Be like, I got her to go away and, and, uh, to go home for the night tell her i call her tomorrow and i somehow convinced her i wasn't gay don't ask me how i did it and that was it yeah <laughs> it doesn't say how we did any of it uh and they just continue on with the movie which is which is fine i just think it's a poor writing tactic and i yeah. get that, that it probably felt like it fit in with the movie but it was just like just like oh you kind of got stuck you just really liked the way that this scene would go and then you were like oh no i don't really have a way to get out of this scene yeah and then this is when the kind of movie picks up a lot um because yeah. um Harry, you know, sits down, talks with her, is jotting down all of these notes about, oh, you know, her sister. Um, and she's like, well, the only lie I ever told her was that um, your incestuous father is not actually your father. Um, your actual father was part of this Johnny Gossamer movie that came to town when you, you know, the year before you were born. Um, and so she thinks that Jenna, her sister, came out here to look for her father, and something happened. Um, and this is then the news comes out that they found this body, and it was Veronica Dexter, um, Harlan Dexter, Corbin Burnson's, um, estranged just reconciled again christian daughter. christian daughter who harry saw without panties on um, because her dress was soaked through that'll come up later that'll come up later yeah um another one of those little scenes earlier in the movie that you're that that you see it happen you'd be like oh that probably means something yeah it's like that probably means something um so shortly after uh Perry pulls a real dick move and just tells all of the stuff to to Harmony apparently off off screen of course. Um 
And he is now, so Harmony is now very mad at, at, at Harry. Um, and so much so that, yeah. And then we also find out that Harry was just brought in because Colin Farrell wants too much money. Yes. Um, And then, and then Harry, and then he's like, I understand if you want to punch me, Harry punches him. And then that makes Perry mad because even though he said that he could do that, he didn't actually mean it. Uh, and then he's just like, I already did this dick thing, though. Here, I'm going to tell you that she wasn't happy. Yeah, um, she yeah, she was not happy. And But also, he's like, it is getting way too hot for you here. You should go back home before something worse happens. Um, because like if the, if the guys who ID'd you, who were clearly at that party, which is what they realize is how they ID'd him, um, could already find you and already try and plant a corpse on you. You need to get out of here. Yep. And, so what does he do? He goes to Harmony's to try to reconcile. And well, he he does he does go to the to the airport. Right. He goes to the, yep, he does go to the, the airport, airport first, where he sees Flicka. Flick, yep, flick. he sees he sees Flicka, um, and he just he says, "Oh, I just want to call to apologize," and. I do love the interaction because I've been in this situation before of trying to talk to, you know, someone's friend to try to apologize to them. Um, and going and he's, he tries to give the line of like, well, maybe it was you I was interested in. And she's like, yeah, bullshit. Sure. Um, and he's like, no, I, I, I'm lying. I was totally into your friend. I'm sorry. Um, and then Flicka is like, oh, that's funny. Um, in my phone, it's under her stage name. Oh, everybody's got a stage name. What is it? Oh, Allison Ames. The name on the card that paid for Perry. Yep. <laughs> you overpriced bastard. Yeah. That, that the sister stole the credit card and used it to pay Perry for two thousand dollars. Overpriced bastard. Yeah. And his case and their and Perry's case are the same case. Same case. Um, we, so we got the Johnny Gossamer thing going. Um, and now he goes to Harmony's. Yep. Now he goes to Harmony's and say what's going on. And she slams the door in his face, but it doesn't quite. Yeah. I mean, it slams in his face, uh, but his hand was still in the door frame. Yeah. So she opens up right, right away. And she goes, did I just cut off your, uh, yeah, yeah. They're on the ground. Pick them up. Yeah. Uh yeah so so his his like l- I can't remember his right or left uh his ring left finger ring finger yep. um is cut off and then he uh he gets surgery for it it gets kind of sewed back on um he's on he's on painkillers yeah uh so yeah so then he arrives to this party mildly whacked on Demerol um. And Harmony is it's work. They're working a Christmas party, uh, which is the rationale uh, behind why we gave this to be our Christmas special, because it's a Shane Black movie. So, of course, it is set around Christmas, Christmas adjacent. Thanks to Shane Black. Yep. Christmas adjacent, a.k.a. every Shane Black movie. Yep. Except Predators, I think. I don't know if that one's actually around Christmas. 
I never saw the Predator movie with an S at the end. That's fine. It's apparently not good. Um, uh, but uh, so Harmony is starting to investigate this this whole thing, and her friend, yeah. um, her friend from Fox who does dubbing, gave them a copy of the Johnny Gossamer movie because this was basically. A little before YouTube, so you and streaming, so you can't just oh I'll upload clips from this Johnny Gosmer movie. Um, so we see it. And it um, made me wonder what the clips of that because that was that was a young Corbin Burnson in that. That, that, that was a young him. yeah, that was a young Corbin Burnson. Was clips from <laughs> um, it was it like yeah I can't I can't remember it's in the. Um, that was one of the things that I, while I was doing my Raymond Chandler deep dive, I forgot to do this dive of trying to figure out what movie this was from. Um, but yeah, it's, and in typical gay fashion, um, too, of like, it's starring a Michael Beck. Uh, oh, he's from Xan, he's from Xanadu with Olivia Newton-John. Um, it's like, of course, that is what Perry recognizes him from not the warriors and also uh came in nobody likes xanadu came in doesn't like xanadu that's nobody true. likes xanadu it's okay it's more the olivia newton john that's the stereotypical um especially of that era gay men yes i i, I agree with that part of it but yeah. it's still still one of those things there's like no nobody likes this yeah uh so Perry leaves to so they realize like well oh Harlan Dexter's in this movie oh you know your sister probably saw this you know maybe you know has this might have something to do with you know Veronica Dexter this is a little weird um and then so so Perry has a surveillance that he has to do in the in a park um so he leaves harmony goes back to working the party uh harry is still whacked out on on painkillers uh and this is we get the uh two goons um that are hired by the bad guys um that are there to intimidate harry uh making a ike mike and mustard reference which i didn't get they're they're actually credited in the in the credits as uh uh Mr. Frying Pan and the Fire. Mr. Mustard. Yeah. Um so that that's kind of cool. Uh they kind of beat up uh Perry a little bit and actually rip his like rip the bandages and kind of crush his hand um meaning that his finger is nearly falling off again. Um, so Harmony drives him to the hospital, but she's like, oh, that's the that's the park that uh, Perry's doing his surveillance in. Uh, we got to go. I, I'm, I'm just going to yell. I'm just going to stop, say, Perry, look out and then leave. You can drive yourself to the hospital. Right. And then leaves and then leaves Harry. Uh, Harmony then goes and uh, almost gets uh beaten up and ki- kicks the one guy in the balls um as as she's fighting and in a nice little character moment though uh, that we'll see the difference in later 
she has the gun she gets the guy's gun has it aimed at him and can't pull the trigger doesn't have like doesn't have that in her to do that and uh then we see this pink-haired girl uh, who steals the car and while she steals the car perry gets confronted by one of the the thugs that were attacking harry earlier and he comes out pulls the gun back out and gets shot by like a a food trailer like vendor um in the park yep which is kind of a funny scene because he's coming up he's coming up to shoot him and the vendor's just yelling like and he's, that just starts shooting and kills the guy also real quick uh I'm, i was lo- i've been looking up a couple of things Apparently, Ike, uh, Ike, Mike, and Mustard are off-color jokes from the pre-1950s. Okay, that makes sense. Something that we would just never have gotten, but I'm sure they would have shown up in this style of book. Yeah, yeah, no, that that makes sense. Well, I mean, the, the first Raymond Chandler book is all about distributing pornography, so yeah. Um, that's, that's the case that he's on. Um, the, like, one of the subplots is... They're secretly deliver to um yeah, they're secretly like distributing pornography, which was legal at that point. Then uh the next morning, uh Harry wakes up uh in the pink haired girl's garage and um he overhears which the pink haired girl, uh some of you will recognize as um I just forgot Anna Sossaman. Yeah, Shannon Sosserman. I was like, I forgot her last from name. From a Night's Tale. Uh, from a Night's Tale and 40 Days and 40 Nights. Um, and Wrist Cutters. Um, uh, very underrated. Doesn't get enough work. Because I th- I think she's she's fairly good. Um, but just doesn't I get... That. I really enjoyed her in a lot of stuff. And I thought that the, it was weird that her role was so tiny in this. And, and like, at the time, I, I think... She was big enough when this movie came out that I was just like, oh, oh, that's Shannon Sosma from Night's Tale and things like that. But I wonder if it was filming or something when she got that big. So I, I looked up her, like, on her Wikipedia. She basically was kind of in a mini hiatus um, between, like, 05 and 08. Okay. Um, she still did a few things here and there. Like, a few things got um, distributed that she was in, but she wasn't in a ton um, because she was kind of like, hey, I'm going to take a break um, for various reasons. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, so so the pink-haired girl um, is talking with, with the uh, one of the other guys, one of the other or goons, and sits down on this bed. And the goon says, like, don't worry. You'll never have to go anything, go through anything like that again. And then shoots her. And kills her. And this is while Harry's hiding underneath the bed. Um, yeah, the bullets hit like right next to his head. Yeah. And then she falls and is looking at him. Yeah. And, and clearly is, even though she's in her, which this is also sad of like, she's clearly there in her dying. Like she doesn't even get to get out any like last words because Harry quiets her and just like, shh. Like, because clearly she's asking, who are you? Mm-hmm. 
And then she's going to say something else, and he just puts kind of a finger to her lips, and she's like, not, doesn't have enough energy to say any other words. Um, and so uh, this is where uh, we think that the movie is over. Because, oh, the, you know, because Car- Harry gets back up, shoots the other goon, uh, is very distraught about it. So calls Perry, calls gay Perry, and it's like, Perry, I just shot a guy. <laughs> I've never done that before. Drops the phone and begins to get sad. Yeah. Um, and and he's just like ah get out of there like like <laughs> wipe the place it's for prince and get out of there it's like well i can't do that the dog prince dog's my, mouth yeah the, the things in the dog's mouth it's like they're not going to dust the dog it's like no literally he has my finger <laughs> and then the dog just eats the finger um which in now uh living with a dog probably about that size i can see this happening because my roommate's dog will eat anything oh yeah that that was a that's a believable part yeah and then it was and then it was right after that where he does the i i, I shot a man and he gets sad because the, the dog comes up and, and he hugs the dog and it's just it's just like a oh yeah it's the like the yeah the dog the dog consoles him better than perry ever did Yep. So then we get a nice little recap of Perry kind of saying, you know, the, you know, everybody thinks that now, you know, the kidnappers turned on each other. And, you know, I, I still have a few un, unanswered questions, but was that Johnny Gossamer enough for you? And then they basically set up the rest of the movie in this little monologue of like, oh, I mean, in the Gossamer movies, you know, there was always. You know, it's it's definitely a bigger ending. Like there's all that always that part where he gets tortured and then he breaks free and shoots like sixteen guys. It's always sixteen. It's always sixteen. That's weird. Um that's a fun meaning. Yeah. Uh so then Cause the body count in this movie at the end equals that number. Yeah, probably in total, but yeah, it's like it's not sixteen yeah, it's in the next not, scene. Not, it's just not the next scene. It's it's in total in the movie. It's it's sixteen. Yeah. Um. Oh, thirteen. It's thirteen. Sorry. I was gonna say. I was like, I don't even. Think... Is 13. Okay. Um. Thirteen guys. No, it's it's sixteen guys. Like, but the actual body count. I think there's probably some some deleted scenes and stuff that it probably would have ended up being at 16 um but then then perry then harry and and uh harmony kind of reconcile a little bit and he has he has this nice like monologue about um kind of they're both saying pretty much going over um all all the stuff from their past and I don't, I don't want, and, she, and, and Harmony thinking, it's like, oh, you, you think I'm amazing, but out there there's, there's younger and there's better. <laughs> and then Harry responds back with, I don't want younger and better. I want you. 
Yeah, not a not a smooth line. Um, yeah, and it's like yeah, that's not that's not what I meant. And then yeah, goes into this like nice little monologue of like, I steal shit for a living. Um, and talking about oh, you know, cutting and running and and not really being able to finish anything in his whole life. And you know, when things are going good, he you know cuts and runs. And then Harmony's like, oh, yeah, kind of like the other night where you were all over me. And then you're, you know, you just stop and just go for Marlea. Uh, he's like, yeah, go for the ugly friend. I mean, homely. She's not ugly. Um, and it's like, that's so mean. You're such a dick. Uh, but the the lines work. I mean, she uh, she ends up back up in the room with him and dealing gum herself. Yep, stealing, uh, yeah, yeah, stealing gum because it's a rush. Um, and yes, yeah, yeah, and then she, yeah, she steals some gum. Uh, they talk about uh, Whitey, the White Knight. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, it probably is better like Whitey than than like Nighty because then it would soon be, you know, Toodles and you know Nighty Night and, um. And then we get one of my favorite scenes of, you know, talking about that. And she's changing. Uh, clearly had, you know, she said herself even had like probably one too many drinks. So she's just going to pass out on the bed. And he's like, oh, so I got the couch. It's like, yeah, I mean, it would just be sleeping. You know, you can you can come over here, but it's, it would just be sleeping. And then it's like, unless that's going to frustrate you. And he's like, all right, well, let's see. <laughs> uh, so he lays down on, and that's when uh, he's like, oh, this is just great. Like, you know, this is how it was meant to be. And then so he says something. And then this is when she calls him whitey. And he's like, oh, you calling me a knight? Well, except for the boner, that's not very knightly. And the response back is just like, well, actually, nightly and most mornings. Yep. Which, uh, yeah. Yeah, happens. Yep. Um, and then Harmony, yep. and then they, they make they make out a little bit, and then Harmony's like, I've got a, I've got a confession. And then we cut to, you what? She she slept with Chuck Chutney. You, you slept with Chuck Chutney. You, you, and then arguing about this and it's like this was supposed to be the one person you said you weren't gonna sleep with it's like you said you said you weren't gonna go you said it was just gonna be you know wave goodbye he's like he looked sad but uh it it, it she gets her thrown out and then uh she realizes something yep she realizes like oh wait hey were there any signs of sexual assault and he's like no you slept with Chuck Chutney. Uh, I did also like the little touch that I, I don't think I'd noticed um, before this, but when he slams the door, he says, watch your hand. Yep. Which is so good. Like, oh, of course he did. Um, so, yeah. So Harmony thinks she has kind of a clue of like, oh, maybe there is more to this. Um, and then so the, the next day, uh, day four, the simple art of murder. Uh, Harmony call our uh, Harry is woken up by by Perry and it's like, oh, 
your little friend, you know, has 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 a lead, and like, and I can't find her now. Harry tells him the whole story about uh, the night, and then he mentions the the panties, and then it clicks for Perry as well. Of like, I think it might be the mental institution, and so Harry and Perry go to the Dexter Institute uh, for mental health. Uh, where, as they say, even the good girls don't wear panties. Yep, and they uh, they they figure out what's going on there, and they they as they're leaving, they get caught by an by an orderly who seems to be a, a goon that's in on it because he's got a gun and and uh, he's going to bring them back inside. And Perry does this little thing of like, you know how in the in the movies you, the the goons are always uh, got got the gun right held to the back. Yeah. Really, they actually want five feet, about five feet of distance between them. That makes it so the person they're holding the gun against doesn't do this. And he snatches the gun back. And then you get a little, uh, some pretty fun repartee where it's uh, where Perry knows everything and Harry doesn't. So it's a, it's yeah. a nice way to, to give us more information here. Because yeah. Harry doesn't know the things that we don't know. So he's asking those questions and Perry is explaining it. Yeah, it's like, oh, so why, why, why did you have to kill her then? It's like, oh, because it, it's the boyfriend. The boyfriend would have come back. Heck, figured out the fake, and you know, so we got rid of her. Um, and then he's like, "All right, so." And you've got to also credit, like, I know this is a movie thing, but this is a this is a pretty badass like goon to to say this line while he's getting a gun pointed at his head. It's like, "I, I want, want you to put a bullet in your head." That's ambiguous. No, it isn't. Well, uh, actually, it is. It's like, yeah. Do you want? Do you mean like picture, like picture it in my head, like or like picture a bullet will be inside my head? Like, what you know, which one is it? And then Harry fed up with this because because Perry has a regular, you know, with the the sleeve or whatever they call it, the clip. Um, he's got he's got a clip gun while 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 Harry's got a revolver with a with a I think it's an eight shot barrel. Yep. Um. So then he puts one bullet in the in the sleeve in the in the barrel, spins it around, aims and just shoots the guy in the head on accident. And and as he said, how much how much a percentage chance did he think that was going to be? Eight percent. Who taught you math? And yeah, it's it's pretty good. They then so that's good. they actually get, they get a hold of Harmony, who they thought was was uh, being held there somewhere, to yep. find out that she had just bailed on the whole thing. She was like, "Yeah, I was done. I went home." Yeah, I was and, I was I was in the hills, shitty re- reception. It's like, of course, that is also such an LA thing, of like, ah, yeah, no, I was in the hills. There was shitty reception. That's why you can hear me, can get a hold of me all day. <laughs> but they they pretty much told her that she was right, and and that they they were there, and and you know, getting things figured out. And that's when, uh, Harry's yelling about getting taken Dexter down and Dexter is standing right there and they've got guns to him. And he goes down to the thing and get that old son of a gun, son of a gun, a drink. Yeah. Um, cause yeah. Cause they, they, yeah, they get off the phone with, with harmony and then hide the corpse. And then that's when they get caught. Yep. Uh, and while this is, while they're being brought inside, they get a phone call. And uh, Harry snatches the phone from the air and says that that Dexter's got them and they're at the mental institution. 
At which point the goon grabs the phone and said, yeah, he just told that to a carpet cleaning company. But it's Harmony because she thought she thought on her feet. Yep. Yeah. Smart. Smart on Harmony. Uh, but also, so here's here's so these are back to back. This is one of my gripes with this scene, even though Harry is an idiot. So I can see this happening as a magician who is good at sleight of hand. Couldn't he have like made it look like he was going to put the bullet in the in the barrel and then pull it out quick as he's doing the spin um, instead of actually shooting the guy in the face? He was a magician as a kid. And yeah, he's good at sleight of hand because he because he boosts stuff, but like I I don't know. I think that's a stretch. Maybe not. Yeah, that that probably was a stretch. Also, Harry as a character definitely wouldn't think about that. So that that's also one of the things of like as Shane and I will probably reference multiple times like we pl- we pl- play Pathfinder. And my character is supposed to be very stupid in that game. And I think of things and realize, like, there is no way my character would have actually done this. <laughs> because my character would not have thought that way. Um, and that's the same thing with, with Harry here of, like, oh, they, uh, you definitely wouldn't have, have done that. So, um, but yeah, Harmony shows up. You get another homophobia scene. Yeah, we get another very homophobic scene because, as we said, they literally set up the the rest of the movie because they get caught and tortured. Um, and how they were getting tortured is the whole Shane McMahon battery to the nuts uh scenario. Um, and so you know. Which also, I just love the like. It it feels like it's such a nasty way to torture somebody, but then also just the little squirt gun is like, no, I'm gonna gonna make sure this is wet so that it, you know, distributes out the the electricity even more so it hurts more. But he's shooting him with like a little tiny squirt gun pistol. Yep, it's such a some little thing. Yeah, and then yeah, then then. Perry acting um, as only Perry can act. Yeah, talks about how it's like, oh, you could literally zap this, zap him anywhere. Like, it was your choice. It was your choice. You had to describe, like, you had to pick the the balls. Like, you just wanted that. And then as he's doing that, he's reaching into his pants and shoots. Yep, he's got a little gun that he that he had earlier. His uh, his little derringer that, yeah, that's where he uses the the f word that I'm not going to use. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah, he's like, this is yeah, this is the little. Uh... <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah, it's as as harmony. They call harmony later. It's like, oh, how did you get out? How did you get out? Uh, I shot him with a small revolver that I keep near my balls. Uh, but but here we get a. Uh... A lot of stuff happening all, all, all pretty quick here as they're as they're trying to get to the body before she is uh, cremated. Uh, so there's a there's a bit of a car chase. Linlo- yeah, I'll, I'll let you kind of describe this a little bit better. Uh, yeah. So so Harmony steals this van that has has that they're loading the corpse in with a couple guys behind it. Um, so she steals the van, drives drives it out. Then so we get the start of this car chase, chase between her and the rest of the goons. 
Um, they run her off the road. Um, she flips. The casket goes flying. It gets caught on the little sign on the on this overpass. Van flips. She runs to the side, falls to the side. Harry and Perry, you know, manage to catch up to where that is. Harry gets, or they get, um, somebody's about to shoot Harry. Perry steps in front of the bullet and it hits. It shoots through Perry. Harry also gets shot in the chest. And so he's, he's knocked down, but he's not out. This is when Harmony calls him as she's passed out on the on the side and, and basically does the, you know, Harold with your awesome might help me from this is or save me from this helpless plight uh, quote that was is what she says at the beginning in when they're doing the magic trick. And so that gives him the second wind. He gets back up. Dexter goes to drive him off the road, but he misses, crashes. He jumps, over the, he jumps over the guardrail, falls on top of the coffin, but catches himself by grabbing her arm uh, when he does fall. And the gun is on the coffin, and he's dangling from just this woman's arm yep. from, from the, the uh, overpass. Yep. And then as, as that's happening... Dexter comes over and is about to look over the overpass at him. He yanks on the arm, arm real quick, with which jostles the casket. The gun comes flying, manages to catch it in the other hand, shoots Dexter. Captain fucking magic. And then uh, shoots the guy that is driving towards Harmony. Falls on top of the the van finishes him off then goes next to lays next to harmony and he's like oh i uh they're they're having this nice scene they're like oh how'd you survive and he's like oh pulls out this book that has a bullet hole through it and you're thinking oh it stopped the wait a second still has a bullet hole though it's like, yeah, no, it, it went right through. It still, it, it's, he still shot me. And then he passes out and then wakes up in the hospital bed. He's, he's recovering. Um, they have a nice little scene in, um, and then in strolls. Like, so, so as we were starting this recording, uh, Shane was finishing the movie and he said, it's like, no, no, stop. This is my favorite joke. Uh, yeah. So. Um. It, it, here we go. Uh, Harry comes coming in on on a wheelchair, and Harry's like, "Yeah, boo hiss. I know. Look, I hate it too. I've got the quote in front of me. Yep. Uh, look, I hate it too. In movies where the studio gets all paranoid about a downer ending, so that the guy shows up, he's magically alive on crutches. I hate that. I mean, shit. Why not bring them all back? And then and then all the people that like you, you get Shannon Sossaman, you get you get uh uh frying pan and mustard, like he. Everybody that had been killed in the movie uh, starts walking in there, and then Abraham Lincoln comes comes walking at the end too. To which the orderly grabs the guy that's that's uh, that's playing Abraham Lincoln and pull pulls him and escorts him out of like, no, you're not part of this. And he's like, but the point in this case is this time it really happened. Perry like lived. Yeah, it's a dumb movie thing, but what do you want me to do? Lie about it? 
And then, and then at that point, Elvis is trying to walk into the room yep. at the end too, and they're pulled, pulled him out too. But yep. And then, yeah. then epilogue, farewell, my lovely. Uh, <laughs> don't worry, I saw the last Lord of the Rings movie. I'm not going to have this end like 20 times. He sort of does though. He kind of does. <laughs> um, but he's like, but we we've got to show you just one more scene. Um, and it is Perry confronting Harmony and Jenna's sister. Uh, nope. sis, uh, Harmony and Jenna's uh, her, Harmony's sister her, um, confronting their their father. That and was a weird sentence. It was it was Perry yeah. confronting Harmony's dad, the the molester, yeah. the one that yeah. And it's at the funeral uh, for Harmony's sister, and he's he, he's just like uh, he's like, "Who are you?" and and. Uh, Perry's Perry talks some crap and he goes I just buried my daughter today and that's when Perry goes no you buried her years ago when you when you decided to touch her and he, the the guy s- tries to say something and Perry just slaps him and it's satisfying but yeah it's it's it is a it's a rougher scene because yeah. it also feels weird because the the old guy is is in a in a bed and he's got a yeah, he's he's basically an invalid at that point. Like he's he's pretty much completely like almost looks like he's you know probably in like hospice care. And know, the guy like, says he says like I can't defend myself. What? Uh, who do you think you are, big tough guy? And Perry just looks back. and goes, Yeah, big tough guy. It's just it it, it is a it is a it is a good scene. But yeah. it's a real good scene. And then they realize like, okay, that one is actually a downer ending. <laughs> we need to we need to say we need to do some fun stuff after this um so then perry walks down and on the tv uh we didn't reference this this more earlier but harmony was was an an actress and she said like one of the things that she uh had done was this Gennaro's beer commercial and uh, Harry was like, "Oh, Gennaro's like the one with the bear and the sucking heads off fish." Like, I choose Gennaro's, but what do I know? I'm a bear. I suck the heads off fish. And then she's like, "No, I got to do this little wave at the end." And then, uh, so we get another Gennaro's, uh, which that is also. So, I I want to say, do you remember why? They chose that name for the beer company. Gennaro's is from another movie, and I'm drawing a blank about which one it is. Gennaro's is the maiden name for John McClane's wife in Die Hard. Yep, that's what it is. And fun fact about the bear in that commercial. Kyle, who's who voices that bear? Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne voices a bear in a commercial in this movie. Yeah, uncredited too, because he's just like, yeah, no, I was just, like, I just wanted to do it as a, because uh, he's he. So the producer of this movie was Joel Silver, who I want to say is was also one of the producers on the Matrix movies. And then uh, after that little thing, you get another ending, but this time it's him in front of a little little uh, camera in in an office, and he's just like, yeah, I work for Perry now, and he's starting to say some stuff. And as this is happening, Perry walks up and he's just like, he's like, all right, now that's it. End it. And yeah. uh, it. Stop narrating. <laughs> stop narrating. Uh, to tell the people of the Midwest. Sorry, we said fuck so much. Uh, uh, yeah. You're wondering who the best boy is. It's somebody's nephew. I love the ending to this movie. 
I like I said, it it has some problematic things as as we've talked about here. Um, but I I still very much enjoy this movie and enjoy the experience and like realizing it's like, okay, yeah, it's probably there are things that are dated about this movie. Um, but there's also so many elements in this movie that I still love. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the movies, the movie's great. The movie is, is so much fun. Uh, and like I said, I, I think that to me, Shane, like this movie still has a spot in my heart and I, and I still really, really enjoy it. And I've still enjoyed the crap out of watching it this time. Even, uh, after seeing it, I've probably seen this, you know, five between five and 10 times somewhere in that number. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, I think that this movie was perfected in the nice guys that he takes a lot of the stuff he did here and makes it a little bit better. I mean, it doesn't have, it's not, it's not a clone of this, of this movie at, at all. Um, I just think that he uses a lot of, of things that, that he got from this movie and, and the nice guys and, and a lot cleaner way. Um, yeah. I mean, mind you that he also uses a lot of stuff that he got from Lethal Weapon, uh, Long Kiss Good. Like he 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 uses he, he likes to recycle his stuff. Yeah, Last Action uh, Hero and. But, yep, but but when he recycles his stuff, he he finds a way to make it better. So that's so it was it was it's enjoyable. Uh, I still love this movie. I still I still have a soft spot in my heart for it. Yeah, like I said, I I still like this is one of my favorite movies. So if not my favorite movie. Um, which which is kind of why we did this first because I know I'm gonna I know I'm gonna reference it a lot <laughs> moving forward so might as well have you fine listeners be able to know what I'm actually talking about and why I enjoyed this movie as much as I do. Uh, so the next film is I get to choose. Yes. Uh, and one thing that Kyle and I have not talked about uh, before this is what movie I'm picking. Yeah, it is a surprise to me um, until right now. Well, right now, as we're recording it, by the time we put the episode out, I'll obviously have edited everything and we'll be we'll know, you know, what's going on. Um, Yes, because you will know right now when I say it. Yes. (laughs) Um, So uh, I thought that that I'd be I'd be nice and give you I'm not going to say which two I'm deciding between, but I'm I'm Deciding between two animated movies. Okay. Uh, one is American animation and one is Japanese animation. I'll let you choose if, if we go with the American or the Japanese. Uh, let's go. Let's go with the Japanese animation. Okay. So, uh, and then I had a few that I could choose from from that, but I'm, I'm choosing the one that's going to be easiest to, to get. So if you wanted to watch along with us, uh, the movie's called A Silent Voice. It is, it is on Netflix. Okay. It is a uh, it, it's it's a fairly modern. It came out in 2016. Um, it's from ooh, I'm forgetting the name of the studio right now. It, it's from a well-known studio, and I'll have a little more information about it once we when we watch it uh, about what else the studio's done and things like that. But uh, it, it's a it's a slice of life uh, uh, movie about a. Um, a young boy uh, and a young girl in their relationship. And she is, uh, she's deaf. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a, it's, it's, I don't want to toot it too much, but I love this movie. So, so I'm excited for, for you to check it out. 
right. So, so yeah, that was A Silent Voice. A Silent Voice, and you can find it on Netflix. All right, cool. Um, so, yeah, thank you, everyone, for for listening. Um, yeah, we'll be back in, in two weeks uh, with that. Um, and in the meantime, make sure to like and subscribe on... Uh, that's more a YouTube thing. Sorry, I'll cut well, that. Well, you know, subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice. We're on most of them. Yeah, and follow me on all the other social media at Knocked Out Films. And the only other thing I want you to do is be good to each other.